the next few minutes, still our hearts, allow us to hear words from you, not from man. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Uh, So we're starting a, a new sermon series today. And here's the worst thing a pastor can say. I'm not really sure when we're going to end the series. Like, I know what I'm going to talk on, but we might take a couple weeks off for Easter and change it, or we might just bring it into Easter. We're talking with, is it really okay to doubt? There's some fancy title that we've thrown in, like, wait, can I doubt? Or really, I can doubt, but... The heart of it is going to be just looking at characters through the Easter story and just characters in scripture where they had doubts. Doubts are one of those things in the church that we kind of push to the side and we're like, uh, if you start to have doubts, just make sure you don't share that with anybody. Uh, If you have your Bibles, I I want you to turn to Matthew 28. So Matthew 28, uh, look at verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen behind me. Uh, You can follow along in that way. Remember, we use our imagination when we read scripture. It's not just telling us facts. It tells us a lot about who God is, but in that, it also tells us who we are. Uh, And so here's verse 1. After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, too bad Mary, the other Mary didn't get a last name, went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, verse 2, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going into the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Uh, His appearance was like lightning. Do you see that description? His clothes were as white as snow. Verse 4, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You and I probably would be the same. The angel said to the woman, verse 5, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said he would come and see the place where he lay. So in the New Testament, we have 13, 13 of these post-resurrection appearances that theologians would say before Jesus ascends to heaven. We see 13 different times where Jesus appears to people. He appeared to the woman at the tomb. He appeared to two men on that road to Emmaus. He appeared to the disciples, 10 out of the 11. He appeared to 500 of the brethren. He appeared for a meal. He took the disciples fishing. He took the disciples up to a mountain. He appeared 13 different times to his disciples. And in Matthew 28, the disciples were on a mountain before the ascension. If you don't know what the ascension is, this is where Jesus basically just went up in a cloud. It had to be amazing. Before Jesus ascended and went up into a cloud, he looked at his disciples and he said the famous words that we know, the divine assignment. He told them to do the same thing that he tells us to do. Go into all the world, tell all the people about what just happened. Tell them the gospel that Jesus is the son of God, that he's without sin, that he became sin for us, that he died on a cross. God raised him from the dead so that if anyone knows him, believes in him, they'll be forgiven and they would be transformed. That Matthew 28 verse 18 through 20. But this week I 
looked at verse 16 and 17. So if you have your Bibles, look at verse 16 and 17. I, I think we miss some words in this story. Look at verse 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. Nothing fantastic there. When they saw him, verse 17, they worshipped him. And then these three words. But some doubted. Some doubted. I I, want to raise a funny observation about human nature. It's okay, you can kind of smirk under your breath. I know we're in the church, we need to be honest. But I don't know what it is, but if we see something bad in somebody else's life... It's often encouraging to us. Have you noticed that? That in this story, it's rather encouraging to me that some of the disciples believed because they could see Jesus and they still doubted. It makes me feel so better that they didn't have it all together, even though they were walking with Jesus. You see, I can feel so close to Jesus and still have doubts. I don't know if you can relate. Maybe this is just for me, this sermon series. But there are times when it's like, it's almost like God is so real that I can touch him. I believe he's good. I believe he's with me. I can be in the middle of the presence of God, like in church or some church event. And all of a sudden, with all kinds of people around me, With all kinds of spiritual stuff, I can start to ask myself, is this stuff for real? I mean, what if we're just making this up? I mean, I prayed about this and God didn't show up. And it can be really scary and lonely in Christian circles when you doubt. It's scary and maybe you want to ask questions, but sometimes you wonder, am I the only one at Renfrew that thinks like this? If I ask this, what are they going to think about me? So you might want to ask, but you feel guilty and you feel ashamed. See, I'm convinced in my pastoral history, my 30 years of doing this, that there's some people who are leaving the church, not because God isn't good, but because they have questions that they don't feel safe asking. I'm convinced that there's some people that just don't feel like they can safely express their doubts. Do you ever battle with your doubts? Why do we doubt? Well, let's talk about a few reasons why we doubt. The very first one, we doubt because there's questions we just can't answer. We, we come across something in the Bible, we say, well, it says it there and it says it here and I'm not quite sure I understand. Uh, The the second reason why we doubt is there's situations that seem unfair. You're thinking, oh, I prayed about that and God could and God didn't. Then why didn't he? Does God really love me? There's this bad thing that happened to this good person and this good thing that happened to this bad person. There's like world stuff, like innocent children that are suffering or... Innocent people being hurt as we watch the war unfold in the Ukraine. And you wonder, where is God? The the third thing why we doubt is sometimes it's because there are hurts we can't resolve. You looked at someone. You looked up at someone. 
He thought they were great. They were a Christ follower and they did just something horrible. You felt like church was a safe place and then unfortunately it wasn't as safe as you thought. And then sometimes if I can just talk to us who are Christians, sometimes we make it worse as Christ followers. Sometimes we don't have much grace. There's not a lot of bent. With good intentions, we pump out our bumper sticker theology. The Bible says this, I believe it, and that settles it. It's black and white. But you and I know the world is complicated. And when someone has a question and they can't find an answer, someone hurts them. There's a theological question. They feel let down. There's a situation. If there's not a lot of bend, if a stick won't bend, guess what happens? It breaks. And sometimes people have a question and when there's no bend, they feel like the only option is to walk away from God. So over this next little while, I want to show you that your doubts, if they're handled properly, can actually be a catalyst to a stronger faith. Your doubts don't have to take you away from God. Your doubts can actually draw you closer to God because it's important to understand that your faith is actually a journey, not a destination. Your faith is a journey. You don't ever arrive. You don't just like one day go, well, I've done all the classes. I've done all the work. I've done the test. I've graduated faith. I've got an MBA in faith. I have a PhD in faith. I've got a master's of faith. Now I've got the perfect faith. We don't ever arrive like that. There's no such thing as just always, always, every moment of every single day. Now I know it all. I understand it all. So that's why we're going to take a deep dive. Let me talk to you that have kids in the church. At some point, don't be surprised if your children start to wrestle with doubt and start to ask questions. If that happens, don't panic. What I want you to do, mom and dad, is recognize they've grown up watching your faith. They've seen your faith. And sometimes, if I'm really honest, I'm in the middle of of a hypocritical point in my faith. And they've noticed that your faith isn't always perfect. And if they're asking questions, they might just be asking and wondering, can I make my faith my own? It's not a bad thing. They may have to ask some real, sincere, hard, complicated questions to say that this is now my faith. If there's questions, if there's doubt, it's not a time to panic. It's a time to process. It's a time to talk because the church and the home should be the safest place in the entire world to ask hard questions. And, I'll, and I hope that you'll discover that the strongest faith isn't a faith that all that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas. One of the 12 says in verse 24, John 20 verse 24, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Let that sink in for a second. Thomas, 
one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. See, in the Greek language, that verb is actually in the active tense. And so what it means actually is they say it over and over and over and over and over. And I can keep going over and over again. Do you remember your kid in the back seat of your car? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we here? Are we here? I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And so the disciples in verse 25, look at verse 25. We have seen the Lord. So the disciples are looking at Thomas, who they've journeyed with for three and a half years, and are saying, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord, we've seen the Lord. Look at verse 25, what does Thomas say? Well, that's great, guys. Ten of you are saying that. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails are, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. This week I wrestled with the fact that Thomas is getting a really bad rap. But the reality is Thomas is a lot like you and me. You see, my goal in the next few minutes is to actually show you that his doubts are like our doubts. Many of you are like Thomas. You can relate to Thomas. Thomas was a realist. He just wanted to know. Thomas had been through some stuff before. He'd been through disappointments. He had been through heartbreaks. Maybe he had some honest, sincere questions. They were complicated. Just because you have questions doesn't make you bad. Questions make you human. Some of you would remember Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. Here's what Oswald Chambers said. Doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that a man is thinking. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith. In fact, if you ask me in a very pastoral opinion to rank the disciples in order of spiritual strength and greatness and faith, you know who I'd put at the top? Thomas. Let me give you two reasons because Thomas gets the bad rap. One of the reasons is, if you know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know there was a guy named Lazarus. Lazarus was dead. He was actually dead for for four days. Here's what it says in John chapter 11. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. This is Jesus talking. So that you may believe. But let us go to him. Look at verse 16. Who shows up here? Thomas. Said to the rest of the disciples. Let us also go so that we may die with him. Man. That takes courage. This is Thomas. Hey, if they're going to kill us. Let us be with Jesus when, he, when it happens. That's not a lack of faith. That's tremendous faith. And that was Thomas. There was another time, three chapters later in John 14, when Jesus said to them, and you'll remember this, hey, guys, I'm going away. 
I'm going to a place called heaven. And I'm going to prepare some really cool mansions, some houses for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas goes like this. Jesus, we don't know where you're going. So how can we actually follow you, go with you when we don't know? That's a sincere question. This was the guy who said, I want to go where you're going. I just need some details. Jesus, just answer my question. So if your kids... Or if you start to have questions, this is not a time to panic. This is a time to process, to talk about it. Keep pressing into the things of God and watch. How did Jesus respond to Thomas's doubt? Well, this is what it says in scripture. The Bible says, and hear this, eight days later. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And at this time, Thomas was with them. Eight days later, Thomas showed up. Even in the middle of Thomas's doubts, even when Thomas wasn't sure that there was a risen Jesus, he still showed back up. If there's anyone here who's been hurt or you have doubts, let me applaud you greatly because guess what? You showed back up. You're here. You might be covertly watching online. Sometimes all we need to do in our Christian life is just show back up. John chapter 20 verse 26. A week later. Translated eight days later. The disciples were in the house again. Thomas was with them. Through the door, Though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them. And said peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas. Looking right at Thomas. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and start believing. In verse 28, Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. How did Jesus respond to a doubter? Jesus came to Thomas and gave Thomas exactly what he needed. One moment he was doubting, the next moment he was shouting. Just like some of you will when Jesus touches you. Proving to you that God is not distant in your doubts. Someone needs to hear this. Jesus is not a standoff savior. Jesus is willing to be touched. If he feels far away, reach out to him because he's reaching out to you. You can ask questions. You can take your frustrations to him. You can wrestle with him. You can complain. You can tell him that you don't understand. See, Thomas asked questions. Thomas needed answers. Thomas got answers. And what did he do? Thomas served Jesus faithfully. In fact, tradition tells us this. Tradition tells us that after preaching Jesus and preaching Jesus and preaching Jesus, that Thomas was actually murdered in India in the year 72 AD or so. And he was murdered because he wouldn't back away from his faith in Christ. And how they killed him was they drove a stake through his stomach because he just kept surrendering to who Jesus was. Proving to us. And I hope you feel this. When you have questions, when you have doubts, your doubts don't disqualify your faith. Your faith is a journey. 
It's never a destination. And so what's going to happen at some point in your life, in the life of a friend, a classmate, a child, a brother, a sister, there's going to be a question. You're going to have a doubt. You're going to have that moment of insecurity. You're going to want some details. You're going to want to have an answer and you don't have an answer yet. And your spiritual enemy, the the devil, Satan, is going to try to use your doubt to drive you away from God. Satan's going to tell you you're not really a believer. You don't really have a perfect faith. This stuff's not real in the church. Church doesn't care about you. God's not involved in your life. He's not good. He doesn't love you. He's not with you. He hasn't really forgiven you. You've been bad. You've been too filthy. After what you said, after what you did, what you think, after how you act, after how you behave, he doesn't love you. The devil, Satan, is going to try to use your doubt to drive you away from God. But I came to tell someone today that God can use your doubts to draw them to yourself. God is so good. God came to Thomas in the middle of his doubts. This Jesus that loved people as broken as me. And I remember reading that it's by grace through faith that you're made right with God. And the moment I thought the word faith, I thought, okay, faith. It takes faith. It's always going to take faith. And if there's any proof at all, what Jesus did in me personally is proof. I was lost and then I was different. Faith, I have to believe. And what I've discovered is that faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith means you push through the doubt. And scripture says in Psalm 23, as Bob read, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me. When you're in the valley, what do you do? What do you do when you're in the valley? You get through it. You keep walking. You get through the valley. You don't stay in the valley. You keep walking. Today, we're not in the valley of the shadow of death. I don't think so. But maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of doubt. And if you're in the valley of the shadow of doubt, don't stay in the doubt. Don't let doubt be your dead end. If you're in the valley of the shadow of of doubt, you just keep walking. Friends, you just keep showing up. You just keep asking questions and trying to trust God. And you don't have to have a faultless faith. You have to have a little bit of faith. If you're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of doubt, just keep walking toward Jesus. Come to Jesus because faith is a journey. It's not a destination. Listen to me, friends. If you have your doubts, come to Jesus. If you're struggling, come to Jesus. If you've got questions, come to Jesus. If you've got sexual baggage, take it to Jesus. If you've got secret addictions, take it to Jesus. If you see something in your life that doesn't seem fair and you wonder why, take your burdens, take your hurts, take them to Jesus. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you've got hurts, take them to Jesus. Today, I thought a fitting way for us to end is to bring Colleen's team back. And for us to sing together, I speak Jesus. For some of you, 
this journey that you're on has not been perfect. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree because he knew if he saw Jesus, his life would be changed. And for us, some of us need to climb up a tree just to see Jesus. Let me pray. God, in the next few minutes, may you do the work in our hearts. Make this not about Matt or what Matt said. Help my friends forget the words that I said. May it be your words that speak boldly to us. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.